Let us go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We pray that as we hear your word, Lord, that the Spirit would change our hearts, that our hearts would be ready to hear the word, and that our bodies would be ready to action as your word moves us and strengthens us. We thank you, God, for this time. Please be with me as I speak your truth, and please be with your people as they hear it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you guys know, but we have a presidential election coming up. Um, I'm sure all of you know, and if you say you don't know, you are lying. I used to be, really be into politics before. I just thought it was, a, it was a fascinating thing to delve in, and I admit the past four years I had to just turn it off. It was too much for me. There's too much going on, and I was inundated by it every single day. And I like politics, but it was too much for me. Now, for those of you who don't even like politics, I'm sure that you hearing it every day grates at your soul. But we can't ignore it. On top of that, we have COVID-19. We are encountered with the reality of our frailty and our weakness. And whether you want to believe in COVID-19 or not, you have to face it. So why do I say all these things? My best guess is that all of you are very tired. And you are tired. And how do we respond in moments like this? Do we just ignore everything? Maybe ignore the COVID-19 news, ignore the presidential election. Uh, I wish that was the case, but that's probably not possible. Even I, when I turn off my Twitter or Instagram, when I go to my bodega, there's a person wearing Biden-Harris. Ah, I just want a Coca-Cola. And the person behind me is saying, hey, what's taking so long? And they have a red hat that says, make America great again. Ah, and then I try to leave the bodega and then I run into a person with the same red hat that says, made you look, Black Lives Matter. Everywhere I go, even if I turn off all these things, we are inundated by these things. And why is it grating at our soul? Let me tell you why. It's because it's everyone's personal philosophy and they are trying to convince you of their philosophy. And that grates at the soul. It does. I get tired and you get tired. So what does the Apostle Paul say on how we should act in these times? Luckily for us, we have the book of Colossians, which is quite the same. If you understand the city of Colossae, it was a city of many ideas. They believed in many things, and most scholars believe that there was a Colossian heresy. And what the scholars have found out is that this heresy is really just a bunch of hodgepodge of ideas that have come together, mixed in with Christianity. So some people believed in the worship of angels, some people believed in um, asceticism, which is just being a monk, denying all yourself all the things of the world, and they combined this with Christianity. So then they would say, well, if you're Christian, you follow the Sabbath, you also follow these new moon and festivals, you follow these gods, people were getting tired. 
There's all these ideas floating around. What do I believe? And remember, the Christians in this day and age had the same problem as us. As they would step out and they tried to observe only Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they would step out and who would they see? A statue of Zeus. They would go out and they would see these temples made to the mythological gods, and then they would be encountered with all of this day in and day out. When they would trade with farmers and do the farming and business, people would talk about the gods and how they are affecting the crop of the season. Wherever they went, they were encountered with an ideology that was not their own. So what does Paul tell them to do in this time? What does he tell us to do in this time? What Paul tells us to do is to walk in the Lord. One thing we notice about Paul is that he never tells us to flee or escape. He never tells us to ignore anything. He never says, hey, I know you're suffering right now. Actually, I know your church is going through a lot of persecution. He never says, hey, the next city over? It's a safe haven. Go. Flee there. Then you will be safe. Actually, Paul most of the time says, stay where you are and continue to grow in the faith. I know all of you are tired. I'm tired. But Paul and Jesus Christ himself is saying, stay where you are and continue to grow. It's a challenging word. It's a challenging word. And in this time where politics are hot and COVID-19 is at the forefront, Christ is not saying ignore politics. Christ is not saying ignore COVID-19. He's saying stay where you are, grow in faith, and engage. Engage so that what? People would see his son. So that people would see Jesus. The only way you can engage is by walking in the Lord. Colossians 2.6, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So before I tell us of how we are to walk in the Lord, we have to understand what it means to walk in the Lord. What does it mean? We hear this phrase all the time, walk in the Lord, walk in the Lord. Whoa, what does it mean? Does it literally mean I go walk and pray? Does it mean that I, what do I do? Well, luckily, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, he lists out four things of how you know that you are walking in the Lord in which Pastor David alluded to. Here are the four things of how you know that you are walking in the Lord. First, you are bearing fruit in every good work. And I'll go over all of these, but first, you are bearing fruit in every good work. Second, you are increasing in the knowledge of God. Third, you are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and joy. And fourth, you are constantly giving thanks to the Father. And I'm going to go over these very quickly, but how do you know you're walking in the Lord? First, are you bearing fruit in every good work? This is one of those things that 
I've said it before, you cannot self-assess this. You cannot do a good work and say, I'm bearing fruit. Other people have to acknowledge that you are bearing fruit in this situation. As you do anything, you give off an aura of love, joy, and peace. Is this true of you? And I love how Paul says this. It's not in every good work, because there's a lot of people who do good work, but you can tell that there's turmoil in their life. That there is no peace. That there is an anger that drives them to do this good work, which is not healthy. Yet for the Christian, you do this good work, and as you are doing, people are attracted to the sweet aroma. And they say, what is that? In which you can gladly respond to them, it is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, I ask you, are people smelling the sweet aroma of your good work? That's one thing. You're walking in the Lord if you are increasing in the knowledge of God. If you're walking in the Lord, you are spending time with God and your knowledge of God continues to grow. Now I want to break this up into two parts. Because when people hear that you increase in the knowledge of God, people just think, oh, have to read my Bible more. Which is true, but it's just not head knowledge. It's not just growing in, oh, God is this, God is this first, and I can recite this first, and so, and so on. It's also emotional knowledge. Knowing God and how to react in certain things. How would God react to certain views? How would God react in certain situations? Do you know how God would feel about these things, and do you feel those things? It is one thing to know that God would be angry at certain sins, but to you, you're not angry at all. It's like, eh. I would say you don't understand God then if you don't feel what God feels. So I do want us to encourage us to know God more in our head knowledge, but there is also a deep emotional and soulful knowledge that we must also possess. And so that comes with praying to God, reading God's word coming to church, fellowshipping with his saints. It is just not reading more books, though it's great that you read more books, but it's engaging in the life of the church and doing his work that you continue to grow. But I don't want to downgrade the head knowledge. I've been impressed with all my Facebook friends because since this pandemic has hit and since we have a new Supreme Court justice, they have all become scientists and judicial scholars. It is amazing. And I'm, not, I'm sort of being facetious, but the, the, the terminology that they're able to sprout, sprout out now, the, the understanding of how diseases work is actually pretty impressive. They have spent the time and they have done their research. And even our judicial system, which is super complicated, they have dug in and now they have seen all these statutes and laws and what the whole purpose of our judicial system is about. They went deep. But when I asked them, well, what about God? They said, God's too complex. I'm going to tell you right now, God is not more complex than infectious diseases. He is not. 
God is complex. There is a level you have. It's not just knowledge you grab, but there is a certain simplicity to God. He has laid it all out, and the, the church has examined him, and God can be known. It is not some arcane knowledge that we have to dig hard to get. But we do have to try to get to know God. And you can do it. You can do it. If anything, this time has shown me that people are willing to study when their life depends upon it. Your life depends upon God. Look after Him. Search for Him. Next, how do you know you're walking in the Lord? You are strengthened with all power. What does that mean? You have endurance. Not just grit, but you have joy. You have joy in God no matter what is happening around you. And I want to clarify what it means to have joy. It does not mean a smile on your face all the time. It's not what it means. It's not the customer service smile and patience and joy. This is a deep-rooted joy. I think I'd never really understood it until I saw this documentary about ultra-marathon runners. These are people who run 250 miles. I've watched a bunch of these, and they kind of follow the same story arc. They say, this is crazy, I don't know why I'm doing it. Then they start running, they say it's not bad. But then at every point, there is this one point where they completely break down. They're crying. They're, everything's going wrong. They don't have the strength. They're sobbing. Everyone around them is saying, you don't have to do this. And it's true. They don't have to do this. And they're just crying and they're in pain. And when they ask them, so do you just want to end this? They look up and they say, no. And I'm like, that is joy. That is joy. And that is joy that we find in the Christian life. You may be crying. Your life may be so tough. You may be experiencing the worst of the worst right now. But there is something in you when you just say, hey, just end it. Ignore it. You look up and say, are you crazy? There's no place I'd rather be. That is the joy that I am talking about. And that is the joy Paul is talking about when he talks to the Colossians. Because he knows that they are suffering. He knows that they are getting persecuted. He knows that things are tough. So he's not asking them to just simply smile. He's saying, walk in the Lord so that you have endurance. The word endurance always shows up with the word joy. They are one and the same. You know why you're on this journey. You know why you're doing what you do. You know where you are going, and that's what propels you to continue to go on. So that's the third thing. Next, this is a little bit simpler. Are you giving thanks to God? Do you continually give thanks to God for everything that he has done? especially what he has done in his son, Jesus Christ. Every day you should be giving thanks to God because it's another life we live. It's another day we continue on. It's another day that we are Christian. It's another day that we get to worship God. 
That is where we need to be. So quickly going over this, how do you know you're walking in the Lord? You're bearing good fruit. You increase in the knowledge of God. You are strengthened and you have endurance and you are giving thanks to the Father. Hearing those four things, some of you might say, how do you do that? And notice, Paul does not say, do these things. He's just saying these are indicators if you're walking with the Lord. Because you cannot bear fruit. You cannot simply increase in your knowledge of God. You cannot just strengthen up and find joy. And you can't just fake giving thanks to the Father. And Paul understands this. And so this is what he tells the people to do. How do you begin walking in the Lord? You turn your eyes to Jesus. And that's why in verse 9, the Apostle Paul begins talking about who Jesus is and what he has done. Anytime you find yourself not bearing fruit, anytime you find yourself not increasing in the knowledge of God, anytime you feel weak, tired, and you like you want to give up, and anytime you find yourself bitter towards God, what you must do is turn back to Christ himself and remember who he is and here Paul says in verse 9 for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily God is not just a good teacher God is just not an inspirational guru who we can quote from time to time God is not a powerful strategist or general that we can be inspired by God is God. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity in whom God dwells fully. He is fully God and fully man, and in him all of creation holds together. Whom you are worshiping is not just one of many great leaders. He is the only one that is worthy of any worship. You are encountering the person who created space and time. He is much more than just a mentor. He is your Savior and who has the power to deliver. But that's not all. That's not all. If it was just that, that would be enough. And we would say, praise God. But here Paul goes on in verse 10 and he says, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. God is in you. You are in God. You have an intimate union with the triune God. You have full, unadulterated access to Him. And you are able to call upon Him and ask for these things. And He will give it to you. Why do we know this? Because He says He would. He does not tell you to ask for things simply so that he can tease you. He wants you to ask these things so that you remember him 
and remember where all power comes from. And in doing so, and in doing so, he reminds you that you are no longer in the world. We continue on, verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Here Paul is saying, remember, stop trying to find power in the world. Stop trying to find power in the person you're going to vote for. Stop trying to find power in the person or policies or who's going to save us. Stop finding your comfort in the world. You no longer belong to the world. And Paul is reiterating that and again and again. Don't believe in those false gods. Don't believe in your co-workers' belief about fasting or whatever exercise that they're doing. Believe in Jesus Christ. That is where you will get your power. The world no longer works with you because you no longer belong to the world. You have the power of Christ. You have the power of the resurrection in you. You can access all these things in Christ alone. And this is why Paul is continually telling the churches, don't look outside. Not yet. Continue to look at Christ and Christ alone. For there you will find the source of all your power, energy, and everything that you need. So quickly, Paul tells us to walk in the Lord. And all that simply means is continue to look to Christ. No matter where you are, look to Christ. Because when you are constantly gazing upon who Jesus is, you will bear fruit. You won't even be thinking about it. It will just happen. And as you gaze upon Christ, you will learn more about him, whether you are seeking to or not. You'll increase in head knowledge and emotional knowledge of who Jesus is. You will become what Paul talked about in chapter 1, a mature Christian. As you continue to look to Christ, you will be strengthened. You will have joy. You will have the spirit that will continue on during this time. And when you see Christ and how good he is, you will give thanks because God is good. Therefore, Paul continues to go on and says, let no one condemn you now. As we continue to live our lives, we will have an election. You will go out into the world, you will talk to people, and the opinions will be coming at you. Look at New York City. Everyone is telling you who to vote for. And it would be okay if they were just telling you who to vote for. That's fine. That's the whole purpose of democracy. But then people start judging you for your character. And that's when it gets tiring. And we are much like the Colossian Church syncretism, which is just a blending of all these thoughts. And we're coming out with crazy ideas, like if 
you vote Republican, then you truly are a Christian. Vote Democrat, that's the only way you can show your glory to Christ. No. None of those things are true. That does not diminish the importance of voting, but do not combine these things. Do not be attacked or feel attacked for your character for not doing these things. You will all vote. You should vote. It's something good to do. But do not get tired by the constant noise that is coming from the world and even from your Christian friends. Continue to look to Christ and do not be frazzled by these critiques. A lot of people will tell you what to do and what not to do. Even with COVID, it's tough. There's a lot of information going around and everyone is doing the best they can to adhere. But again, that'd be fine if it was just telling you what to do. But then you go by these bodegas and restaurants and they make these character assassinations. Don't be a jerk, wear a mask. Be kind, wear a mask. I get what they are trying to do, but it can be kind of tiring as you look at all of this. What we are called to do as Christians is this. Find the substance. Christ is the substance. And what he wants us to do is for the world to see him. So what does that mean? When you engage in these conversations, and you should engage, you should do so in a manner that is worthy to Christ and that will win that person over. I don't know what that looks like, to be honest. But if you're looking on Christ, if ACC is continually looking to Christ, we will find a way of how to speak to th these things. And I must admit, and I apologize this to a couple people before, but my engagement tactic was to ignore. Probably most of you don't know my political stance and who I'm fascinated. That's because I didn't want to bother you. Or I just thought it's not helpful. And so we've ignored everything that's going on, but here Paul is telling us, don't ignore the world. Don't ignore, engage, engage thoroughly, but do so in a manner that you are focused upon Christ himself. It will look different. It will, I promise. As we talk to about one another about COVID-19, still look to Christ. And we will talk. I am not advocating any policy, but I think the church should always be in agreement on some of these things, on how we should approach it. We've seen that the church is divided. I don't have the answer. But what we should pray for and what we need to do is a call for all Christians to turn their eyes back to Christ and ask Jesus, how do we respond? so that the world would see your loving kindness and good grace. And that is what Paul is calling us to do. Look at your leaders who are looking to Christ. For then your body will grow. And as the body grows, people will see the salt and the light. And they will turn to the church. And they may not ask who to vote for, but they will ask, 
Whom do you serve? And then we will turn to them and say, We serve Jesus, who gives us all the good fruit, all the good gifts, all the joy, and we give thanks to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for your blessing. We pray that we would look upon Christ. Father, many of us are tired. We try to stay the course. We try to bite our lip. And we try to be good Christians. But what we found out is that we cannot do it on our strength alone. Many of us are tired. But we pray that as we do our citizen duty, as we talk to our neighbors about these hard issues, that we would do so in a manner worthy to Christ. And that ultimately you would be glorified. What is our life? People will forget our names, for we are here for just a blip in a moment in time. But as history has shown, people have remembered your name and will continue to remember your name. Let us be part of that cause and bring honor to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.